podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome to the Whistleblowers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Smith. Uh, there is no Martin Gritton actually physically here today. Uh, he is on the phone. No, Martin, can you hear me? I can hear you, Mark. Oh, listen, you, listen to that. that. That is a broken man. <laughs> If there was ever if there was ever any doubt about me phoning this in, then that's that, that's been completely dispelled tonight. Yeah, the uh, uh, confirmation. <laughs> the only messages so, yeah, we get are Gritton's phoning apologies. in again. Yeah, yeah no, you're fine. Not, uh, not, uh, not well, but yeah, here with my razor sharp opinions as usual. You know, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it without you. We could do it without you, and it would be better. And maybe next week, if it goes as like I'm imagining it will go, <laughs> we might have to. But we've got a better, a better than that replacement. We've got uh, someone live here in the studio. More impressive, more important. It's John Bruin. All right, John. Hello, Mark. You all right? Yes, I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my voice is holding up. I think. Yeah. Is that? Are you? I look the after mic myself. Better, yeah. better than Martin Gritton. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's. I mean, it's difficult not to. Yes. I don't know any man that doesn't look after themselves better than Gritton. Absolutely. Um, anyway, let's crack into it because it's been, it's been, I mean, again, I start every week by saying this, but it's, it's been a very busy week again. A lot been going on, on and off the pitch. Uh, we've got you here though, John. We may as well talk about your team. You're a big United fan. Uh, and on... can, can I correct you there, actually? Yeah. I sort of, I, I'm in this position where I'm a sort of lapsed Man United fan. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. This is interesting. Good. Now, you can accuse me of being a glory hunter or something like that. That is, and that's possible. It's something I probably have to accept. But something, something's gone in the, in that club for me, and right. it might be just one man. Maybe when he's gone, things may change. Well, okay, so who, who would that? Who's that, John? Just having. <laughs> it's not Nemanja Matic. Yeah, Diego um, Dalot. <laughs> Diego Dalot looks quite good, actually. No. um... Yeah, I'm in this position where, yeah, um, it's after the love has gone. You know, mm. that's 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 what I feel about it. Um, <laughs> and and, and I've, I've, I've pretty much, uh, and a lot of that actually comes from my professional life, which was as a as a reporter, I did quite a lot of the post Ferguson era, and at that point, you have to sort of abandon the team that you support. Um, I don't do too much. So, so you can be objective. And, yes, yeah, right. and believe it or not, I do think I was objective, though uh, sometimes my Twitter feed suggested not. <laughs> and um, what, what you find is that um, eventually you, you sort of lose, that you, you're looking for the story and so on and so forth. But when I've watched, essentially since Jose Marino that Martin alluded to, taken over, yeah. it's it's just become like a... My view is it, it, it it's... I mean, the view I always, always had was when Alex Ferguson left Manchester United, it became just another football club. And now it's become the classic sort of giant that has tried to find its way back in. I mean, you, there's lots of clubs like that. Inter and AC Milan back over in Italy. Um, Bayern Munich has been in this position a few times. Yeah, yeah, and Barcelona, Real Madrid have even been through this position. And it's just this sort of listing ship. Now, whether that, whether I, as a... You know, former big Man United fan should be there to, you know, cheer the lads on. I don't know, but I'm not there anymore. Were you there when uh, Van Gaal was in his second season and it was, I mean, objectively worse football than it is now even? Well, yeah, but the thing is, you say that, the funny thing about that is that I was uh, still a United fan, but 
I actually enjoyed Van Hal for the journalistic part of it because I, I don't think I've ever come across anyone that has entertained me as much in a, yeah. a press conference. He's like uh, what Jose used to be. Yeah. Interesting and sort of alluring and, and fun yeah. to the, be I mean, around. The football was terrible. Yeah. The football was really, really <laughs> terrible. But it was... I don't know. I, I felt I felt he he was dealt a bad hand, really, by United. The way he was treated, the way that he was... Well, he was fired after winning the FA Cup. Yeah. Which actually happened. It was my 40th birthday FA Cup final, which I watched Happy with birthday. Martin Gritton on the line here. He's still recovering. I can He's hear still him. recovering. Yeah, it was a good <laughs> night, that one. Uh, the Van Gaal thing, the one thing I remember about the Van Gaal thing was that yes. he would always refer to this thing. Post-game, he'd say, we didn't get the goal. As if you were only allowed to score one of them per game. Yeah, and and and, and he had one way of scoring a goal, mm. which was you overload, overload down one side and then you pass it across and the guy scores at the opposite end. Opposite opposite, opposite. That's why he wanted three at the back so he could push two wing backs on and have yeah. everyone pushed forward. And then you overload and that's the only yeah. way he considered scoring a goal. So it was quite, that's quite predictable. If, if I, the ultimate layman, can spot that, <laughs> that was the way it was. Right. But, um... I still well, all I said, John, was you're a United fan. I mean, this is mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true, but I, I still, I still prefer Louis Van Gaal to Jose yeah. Mourinho. So, okay, so you, so when Jose goes, um, you might you might go back in, you might not. But when do you think that will be? Because um, in a minute we'll talk about the performance from from Saturday. Yeah, which but, is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when do you think it's going to happen? Do you, do you think it's going to happen mid-season or end of this season? Or if the board I, don't I, give him money and back him in January, do you think he'll just, you know, yeah, take I, lead I, anyway? Yeah, I think what we're, we're at this point, I mean, we're, we're approaching mid-December now and we're in this point where there's a phony war on. Uh, there are certain reporters that work for certain newspapers that, that are reporting stories about the player that Jose Mourinho wants. And uh, at the weekend he made a comment about uh, how there wasn't a glass of water waiting for him in the press conference and he's like oh maybe the club is saving money for January you know which is one of those things that, right. that journalists always guffaw at rather too loudly it wasn't actually that funny mm-hmm. uh, but there's a point there's a, there's a remark being made there about how um, he, he wants money to spend in January and there was a comment actually made about Fred last week which was about how well Fred can only flourish he's if he's got centre-backs. good defenders behind yeah. him so, so at that point now my view was always that he'd probably be gone by December, which was at Chelsea. But what you actually have to consider is that Roman Abramovich is more prepared to fire people than Edward when the Glazers are. Mm. So that, I think it, it, if you look at the pattern of David Moyes being fired and the pattern of Lee Van Hal being fired, both of them were fired when they could no longer qualify for the, do. the Champions League. And Why wait though? Why wait? I never understood that. Well, I think there might be something contractual perhaps, oh, okay. as part of that. Oh, that would make more sense. Yes. Because it seems mad to me, because at the moment you'd, you'd look at United and say, well, if they finished top four, it'd be a remarkable turnaround. It would be Cause amazing. Because there's, there's such competition now for that top five, really. Yes. Uh, and I just feel like, well, if they're not going to do it, you may as well jump ship now. Yes, you have to pay off Mourinho, and that would be a pretty expensive yeah. exercise. But for the sake of giving yourself a shot, a shot for the second part of the season, then, then is it worth it? They're going to be wearing that up now, surely. Yeah, and you sort of do... Um you know, a sort of reparations thing where you, you know, like Gus Hiddink did at Chelsea a couple of times where you, you know, you pretty much regen the team so that when the new manager comes in, there's almost a blank canvas. Jose Mourinho is a manager that leaves a lot of collateral damage wherever he's been. Yeah. But I would say in his defence that his first season I thought was was very positive. Did you? 
I did, yeah. I mean, you, 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 you won two trophies in that first year. I yeah. think the second season, he finished second to an outstanding Man City team. And actually, I thought, did pretty well did. again. It's only really since the end of the second season, I feel like the wheels have really started to rattle and then come off probably before the season started. I would say that, OK, um, as a not a Jose Mourinho lover, I'd say that first season, you'd look at it, I uh, won the League Cup, fair play. Uh, Sorry, yeah, League Cup, not FA yeah, Cup. Yeah, fair play. Quite lucky to beat Southampton. Uh, on the Europa League, who did they beat? And they also abandoned the Champions League qualification through the league to get there. Last season, second place, fair enough. Uh, but you would say that the teams this season, Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, are significantly better than they were last season yep. in terms of the Premier League. Yep. Uh, Manchester City, a similar standard. But, um, so that, and he actually points to that, doesn't he? About his one of his greatest achievements is finishing second in the league. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's not true. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's won two Champions League with Porto and Inter. <laughs> you know, teams that don't win yeah. those trophies anymore. Yeah. Um, he's fooling himself with with that, pretty much. Yeah, isn't he? I think you're probably right. Um, Martin, did you see the United um, game on Saturday or the highlights of it? I- I did. I'm still. I'm still enjoying John's open uh, after the love has gone. <laughs> very, very much the steps phase, the steps cover rather than the Earth, Wind and Fire original. I think. <laughs> I've got it on vinyl. I, Come round any time. Exactly. I bet you have. I, I, the thing I find funny about that situation is the fact that once people have made their mind up about Jose, it is very much the love has gone, isn't it? Because it, it, it just seems to leave a bad taste in their mouth. Because even if he puts out. You know, a, a drastically changed team. It's like, well, he's actually sticking his nose up, you know, or he's sticking his thumb up. He's going, do you know what? I'd, I'll let these guys go out. If they fail, they fail. I'm not, I'm not putting this on me. Yeah. And there seems yeah. to be that mentality. And I, and I know that you guys can uh, take exception to that. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the, the game against Arsenal last week would be a case in point. I mean, he, he did pretty well. And I think, actually, you, the team did okay. Um, uh, Diego Delot. Did great, in fact, in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Marcus Rashford played very well. Yeah. He's been good for a few weeks now, actually, Rashford. Been very uh, consistently effective. Well, it's funny, you know, because there's, there's a few players that he, <laughs> Mourinho has completely bombed out mm-hmm. have started playing well. So maybe maybe there is something in this. I think there might be. I think there might be as well. Because look at look at Luke Shaw as a prime example. I mean, this time last yeah. year, Luke Shaw was finished at that club. He wasn't getting a new contract. He wasn't getting a, any more minutes. Even on the bench, he was out the squad entirely. Yeah, but it, it's like, you, you know, they talk about when people join the army. When mm. you join the army... You break them down. Break them down to this complete, you know, shell of a mess. Yeah. And then you build them back up again. Yeah, and, and, and exactly. once you've done that, they, they will run through brick walls for you if they're the right character. And if they're not, they will just fall apart. And that's true to I a point, but I don't think they're running through any brick walls. No. Go on, Martin. What? I think, well, I think also there's the fear factor that Marcus Rashford looks at maybe some of the Man United strikers that have gone on to, you know, without establishing themselves, that can just fall by the wayside at other clubs quite quickly. You know, it's it probably you know, Martial maybe an exception because there was a lot of interest around him, but Rashford's still yet to establish himself. And it's great to see that they both did because one of the things is Man United fans that I do know, the ones that go and watch the games, have always spoke glowingly about Martial and wanted to, him to get a run in the team. Yeah. Probably the same with Rashford in terms of he's young so he needs games to get consistent otherwise how the hell are you going to get how are you going to get you know to that level but it, it is, it's, it's an interesting one because I do I do enjoy seeing those guys pr- prove him wrong but hopefully it's um, it, you know that's that 
that's a, a squad or a, a certainly a nucleus of young, hungry talent that can um, that can be moulded by someone who comes in after Jose. Have you ever had any managers in your time with a similar sort of attitude of Jose that that break them down and build them up in your own character? No, and we, we we had more a case of yeah. I mean, I'd say Sturrock was very much like that, but in terms of it was everyone knew their roles and it was twenty two players and if you know there's two players for every position, so if one didn't do it, the next one would come in, and he'd just make an example of you if you didn't do exactly what you were told. Right. Um, and there is that case of it's, it. It can be a psychological thing. You get players that rebel against that. You know, you, the lower league bogbers, but there weren't players necessarily. You know, that would have that player power. You would just be ostracised into the youth team and, <laughs> and bend. And I think we spoke about it last week of the bomb yeah, squad yeah. and like kind of how players manage that psychologically. Well, when you, you know, when you've just got your kids in a local school and you're kind of trying to keep your head down and and you're you know and you've just moved across the country to play for the team, then you know those those are mitigating factors. I think it's slightly different, yeah. but it's more of a pride thing and maybe a a, a career thing. You, you're surrounded by players. That are doing really well, and and, and you, if you believe in your ability that you could do that, then you want a ma- manager to give you that platform. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I've, I've yeah many managers in the lower league, the stubbornness, and, and just the ones you hear about, you know, for the Mickey Adams and there's you know, there's guys that are just absolutely destroy <laughs> destroy um, teams and break guys down and like bring them in, you know, like from the Sundays to the everyday double sessions, and, and you sometimes you see it work. And to, to be honest, I mean. You know, it's, it's when teams are bottom of the league and fans are like, well, I don't mind seeing the players get run into the ground because they're not doing it on a Saturday, you know? Yeah. I mean, so we, we've got we've got this, we all seem to have the same idea of what Jose is doing at that club and what he's done at the club and yeah. what he, you know, might not be there much longer to do in the future. But despite all this, um, the game on Saturday, I thought they looked much more like an old-fashioned United team, like a United team from the Ferguson era, a team that actually weren't afraid to attack. And uh, once they scored one, they didn't sit on it. They went after a few more. At this point, do we insert the Fulham clause? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously. Veto. Of course, you have to. But, but even then, for yeah. the first time for a while, I've seen them... They've played teams that are as bad as Fulham and, yes. and haven't played that way, haven't tried to play that way even. I think fans at United especially, are they don't really mind as long as you're trying to attack. And that's been yes. the issue for a fair few years at that club. And I'm not. I'm not saying Saturday is going to be a thing that changes anything. It's a four-one win at home to Fulham. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. No. But you know, for a manager potentially coming in the future, he can look at that and be like, "Oh, that's what the fans want. That's what the fans want. We can finish second or third or fourth or whatever as long as we're playing the right way. We're more than happy." Yeah, and. and the, the one thing you would say, despite his many complaints, is the raw materials are there. I mean, Eric Bay, um, a player that w- was in that bomb squad. Um, Came in against Arsenal last week and mm. you know played just as well as Delot did or whatever. You yeah, know, he's a, you know an, another one broken down and they've got that that squad with Pochettino. I think does really well. Yes, that squad with actually probably four of the top five managers does really well. Yeah, with Eddie Howe probably does with well. Eddie, yeah. Well, how do you know Eddie Howe wasn't in my top four? Uh, well, he's yeah okay. Who is he top four? Then, <laughs> Not Eddie Howe. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I think it just so happens that Mourinho's got this... He has got good attacking players. He just doesn't really seem to know how to use them. Anyway, that's enough about United. Yes. Uh, we've got you in the studio, John, but we, we've done United to death now. Uh, what we will do instead is you're from Macclesfield. Yes. Uh, so we'll talk about Sol Campbell at Mac. And, and Martin, you've got plenty to say about this as well, I understand. Well, I just the fact that I, I, 
I played there under, and it's certainly not uh, it's not a race thing, but I played under two, two, uh, two of the black managers there previously, Paul Lynch and Keith Alexander with McGaffer's there. And, uh, it's, it's great to see Sol getting given a chance, whether that transpires to make a decision or not. He's got a hell of a job on his hands, and then obviously a tough start when he, you're losing 1 0 to Colchester. But to be honest, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, I, I genuinely don't know which way it's going to go. I, I I'm, I'm probably cautiously optimistic about him being able to turn things around, but the man's been craving a chance, and, and you know he's going to put all his energy into it. And you know that's what that club needs, isn't it, John? It always needs someone going above and beyond. I think Paul Ince was a really a, a good example of that. Yeah, I think, you know it's a town that it's not a reluctant football town. There's a football club there, and but with United City, various other clubs quite near Stoke City as well. It takes a lot, really, to turn the football people in the town's attention towards the club that's actually there. And Paul Ince did do that. Paul Ince did do that. I mean, when's that, when that, Martin? 2006, seven, something like that? Yeah, that was right. It was about, that yeah. was about 2006, wasn't it? And he, yeah. He, he, had, he had decent investment in that they brought a... He managed to kind of... I think, I think they were struggling for quite a while, weren't they? And then they really got their act together, signed some really strong players and... Um, and, and kind of turned it around a bit. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it's um, the thing is that Sol Campbell will have the town on his side. You know, it, 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 it's a small enough town for for people to think, you know, to be really glad of him being there. Now, people uh, mock that comment that he made. Uh, He's absolutely right, though, isn't he? Where he said, you know, you've got a former world class player, one of the best players in the world, coming to your town. Yeah, and the way he said it and the way it reads out it came on Twitter, badly. yeah. But it's true. It is true. It's true. You know, I mean, and um, I think, I think I, I, I am, well, I'm a natural pessimist. I'm, I, I, I'm Are pes- you? Uh, yes. You're <laughs> not a pessimist, John. Don't be ridiculous. I wouldn't hear that. But <laughs> I, I'm pessimistic due to w- what Sol actually has to work with rather than, um, I think one his of his own abilities. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think, I think, uh, well, we'll see about his own abilities, but I think one of the greatest sadnesses of that situation is John Askey, who Marty will know, um, took that club very under resourced from the National League into the Football League. And it was, a, it's a great story. You know, they really did superbly play great football and then pretty much had the rug pulled up from under him. There's no real money. A couple of players left. I mean, you know, they lost a player to Salford City. That shows the yeah, economics yeah, yeah. of those lower leagues. And so you've got this situation where it should have been so good to have Macclesfield back in the league. Uh, they lost the first game at Swindon. They were 2-1 up with, I think, 95 minutes played. Managed to lose 3-2. And that's about as good as it got all season. Mm. So a, a mountain to climb. Um, Paul Ince rescued them from a similar position, though, all those years ago. What was, so, the, what was the point gap then? Is it Brian Horton before him or something? Uh, yes, it's Brian Horton. Yeah, Brian Horton yeah. got funny. If Brian Horton got into the playoffs and then Paul Ince came in and, and, and did a did a great job. So it's it's not irretrievable. No, no. There's there's a long way to go. But do, do you think they'll, they're the sort of club that will say to Sol Campbell, look, if you go down in this first season, we're going to support you and back you and, and wait for the bounce back, or do you think it's a, a short term um, plan? I hope that this will instill some sort of um, energy into the team and, and sort of, you know, just a booster shot in the arm for, for the yeah, entire club. I, yeah, it, it, it looks a bit of a short-term shot in the arm job, really, if, if I'm looking at it. Um, you'd hope it wouldn't be, but, mm. I mean, you know, it, it, at that level, 
it is short-termism. The fact that John Askey was the manager was yeah. because there wasn't really anyone else to do the job because it had, they'd been through so many different options. Of course. Um, and, 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 and I suppose the thing is, with John Askey, he, he was actually manager of Shrewsbury, lost his job, and then people wanted him to go back, but relations aren't good, so he didn't go back. Yeah. So what, what chance do you give Big Sol in terms of uh, in so, staying up? Staying season? up. Let's give him a 40% chance. Grits? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit less. Just, just cause, uh, as if, uh, I read 33%. Give him one in three chance of staying up. Cause only because, only because it's, a, it's a monumental yeah. thing. When you go into that place, it's like, you know, it's like going in and, and the, the vault is empty. You know what I mean? There's not much. You're rubbing pennies together. The thing you've got is you've got a few really key people in the dressing room, like Danny Whitaker, who's, you know, he's a, he's been a macro student. Yeah, he, he knows the knows the club so well. And he's just, you know, he's a consummate pro. He's a brilliant player. He is a brilliant player. And, and he can kind of motivate and give him that common touch. And to be fair, yeah. it's what Paul Ince always had. Paul Ince always had a right a man called Ray Batias. Rheumatized, the lower leagues, uh, you know, at, at like the back of his hand. Not for a second do I think when Paul Ince signed me, he went, "Do you know that Martin Gritton? I've always fancied signing him." <laughs> I'm a very, I'm a realist. I know that rheumatized yeah, at various clubs that kind of earmarked me, so it was a pleasure to, to sign for those guys. And when they went on to MK Dons and you know, that, that, they, you know, and tried to install that there and install that there, sorry, did really well. I thought they were a really good management duo. So if Saul can find someone like that and. I get that kind of, I don't know, get that harmony at, at the club. But you're right. I, I think it is a, a signing, a signing for a, a, an immediate bump. But you know, there's, there is the opportunity to get that. Let's give them five games and see where they are. Christmas yeah. can be one of those periods where you can put a couple of wins together quite quickly. And anything and, can you happen. Know, you, exactly. You don't have to wait a month. You know, you don't have to wait a month. The games come thick and fast, so you get a few points on the board in the space of a couple of weeks, and things look a lot different. Yeah, or you can just sort of sink into oblivion. Uh, from one uh, <laughs> from one story then of a very progressive club hiring black managers before a lot of other teams have had the nerve to do so, uh, to a much less progressive, in fact a regressive story from this week, talking about, of course, the Sterling controversy. Um, I mean, much better people than I have talked about this this week. Uh, racism in football, you know, does it exist? Well, of course it does. To what extent? Who knows? But John, you, you had some thoughts on the way the media have, uh, have uh, reacted to this. Yeah, and I, I think... The, the, you've got this, essentially, there's this division. Uh, the, the excuse is made that, okay, there's two newspapers in particular, I'll name them, The Sun and The Mail, have done stories on Raheem Sterling, which are, uh, well, injudicious to say the least, you know, about his house, about the... Um, I mean, there's the story about the, the tattoo, the gun tattoo, yeah. you know. Um, now, I wouldn't have a tattoo of a gun on my shin, but... When you find out why he did it, then you begin to understand what the, what the story is. Um, and but, but also, it doesn't. I mean, just because you wouldn't do something, yes, doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it doesn't matter. No, exactly. This is the point. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. That's that's that. Regardless of the context of his tattoo, he, he, you know, he, he wouldn't do things that I do because you know, well, first of all, he's successful. Yes, but also because. <laughs> Right, people, right. people are different. Right? You do do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, and, and that is that. You know, so many of uh, of these stories are about people doing things that are considered different and something yeah. of the other. And that is that is something right. that has happened with Raheem Sterling. Now, comparisons are made, saying, "Oh, well, you know, Marcus Rashford, for example, doesn't get that same treatment." Uh, but Paul McCarthy, uh, he used to be um, one of the heads of the Football Writers Association, moved into PR. 
and he did a very long tweet thread in which he talked about how he was an advisor for um, Ryan Sterling and his agent and uh, spoke to someone on one of those newspapers and said, you know, why is it that you're doing this with Ryan? And uh, the reply was pretty much, well, that's how it is with Raheem. He knows that. Now, you know, which is incredible, which is incredible. Um, and, and, and the thing is, though, having said that, and that sometimes the media forgets that it does have influence over people. Yeah. So... It has responsibility. It has responsibility and it, it does have influence. So, I mean, I was hearing that uh, during the BBC in the summer... The ratings of England's performances during the World Cup, Sterling was always at the bottom. Yeah, you know, of the yeah. public every rating. single game. Yeah, uh, and um, just look at the way that those Chelsea fans behaved towards him. Mm. You know, would they have behaved that way if it was Leroy Sané or someone like that? No, I don't think they would. There, there is something about him. I think there is definite racism in the way that, but there is something about him as well. It's it's really. There is an underlying undercurrent. Well, there is an undercurrent to it, and then you've got this, yeah, the, the Raheem Sterling yeah. thing. You, ca- you can't sep- you can't separate his skin colour from the way that they treat him. That's the thing, can you? Because no. irrespective of you know the attitude or the way that he's left Liverpool or the way that people have treated him, and it's it's sad, isn't it? It's the saddest thing I thought this week. We've seen the players really eloquently and intelligently speak about yeah. it, like John Barnes, and I know they were a senior, an old manager of mine again. And this is like, well, we just accepted it. You know, how are we going to fight this and change it? We want it to change, but it, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I, I, another friend of ours, Gar, uh, uh, John Gareth Dobson, when he was like, have you ever experienced racism? Yes, I've been to a football match. You know, it's like just to, yeah. at, at every football match. If you go there, you'll find some sort of abuse written, shouted at someone and trying to make it comparable with, you know, being Scottish or being, you know, Redhead, as I saw someone do preposterously. It just it 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 belittles it and it makes it just you know it it really it's it's embarrassing sort of argument to try and equate the two. And you know, and and as you say, John, I I was interested in what you said about because because there has been a focus on on the football press about this when I think it's a society issue as much as anything. Oh, oh oh, yeah, yeah, and and and. It's it's one of these things where people think it's a surprise that this happens now. And, you know, the, the, the banana being on, thrown on the pitch a couple of weeks ago during the Tottenham-Arsenal yeah. game, that's quite shocking because you do consider that back in the days of John Barnes and yeah. it, it reflects, actually, society. You know, we're, we're consider the political situation that we find ourselves, this sort of febrile atmosphere. Yeah, well, football is a popular sport. Um, yes. So you, you would always get uh, a certain cross-section of, of people from society. Yeah. And whilst there's racism in society, you'll get it in football. And I think it's not... Martin's right. You, 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 people don't separate the person from the skin colour. That's part of the issue. I mean, look at the... I, I think Paul Pogba's a good example. Someone else who is he's black and he's on Instagram, far worse than Sterling in terms of anything that he flaunts around. doesn't mean he should get any abuse, but he gets abuse as part of it because of that. And, and also because of the, with a lot of people, because of the culture that he embodies. Like a group of, you know, middle-aged white men don't mm. appreciate the way that Paul Pogba lives his way or understand it. Or, or the way he plays the game either, right? So there's, yeah. there's elements of that. But the fact that there are still these people going to it, I don't know how you, how you get what, rid what, of it, what, how you stop it. I, th- I think the thing is... Um, I was watching a program uh, just today about Barack Obama, actually, and uh, one of the commentators at the end said, 
you know, th- it was felt that when Obama became American president, that solved... This would disappear. This would disappear. And actually what you have to consider is that those ideas of racism and political leanings are a pendulum and they swing yeah. a certain way. They're never really going to go away. And I think at the moment we're in... The pendulum is swinging a certain direction mm. and Raheem Sterling is actually one of the focuses of that, which is yeah. highly regrettable. But whatever you do, whatever you put out on social media... I mean, this is the thing that people keep keep coming back to him. Dave Kitson talking about it on Talksport the other day was just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what he's talking about. He seems to he seems to be saying that, well, you know what, mate, he shows his nice watches and his cars on Instagram. Therefore, you know, he's up for he's up for racist abuse. This is non. This is an absolute nonsense. Well, yeah, he was talking about a sort of jealousy culture, which says more about Dave Kitson than it does about. Well, this is it, and it kind of you had it coming because you you spoke in that manner. But these things are just preposterous. I was amazed at the the calm and considered way in which you know Raheem kind of positioned his for for a guy that it it, it looks as though it wasn't written by PR people or his comms officers. Looks like he's genuinely gone. He sat down and really think about it. Feel about this? Yeah, yeah. A considered way to respond to which is which is a credit to him because no one's actually been able to come back and. And, and level any accusations at him. I suppose the way to look at it is how does the media treat footballers who, who are sort of flashy online, flashy on Instagram? How do they treat the white footballers that do that? And the answer is that they just don't really give it any notice. They just go, oh, good lad, good for him. It's a completely different way of tackling what they see yeah. as a problem. I, I just don't understand Yeah, it. I think social media's amplified both the, the differences in that and, and the way that people react to it. And mm. it's, you know, and also... Of course, with social media, you can see how people react to it as well. Yeah. Now, in those days when we yeah. considered that football and racism were in the past and people wondered why Kick It Out were actually needed to receive funding and so on, mm. well, we probably didn't have social media then. No. And now it's there. You can see people's opinions and yeah. it's not not what you want to see. Yeah, well, social media is an absolute nightmare. Anyway, you can follow us at The Football Podcast <laughs> on Twitter. Um, th- that's it for the first half of this. Martin, thanks for joining us, uh, albeit remotely. I'm off to get. I'm off to the drip doctor to see if I can get this cleared up. <laughs> All right, cheers, grits. Uh, we'll be back cheers, in the second half to talk about the games just gone last weekend and uh, a very, very short preview of the games coming up. The whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back to the Whistleblowers podcast with me, Mark Smith. I'm joined by John Bruin. Oh. Uh, here we are. Yeah, you see, that's, I did like a little intro there, and you, you didn't dive in it. quick enough. I fluffed it. Someone, right. someone in your trade would... Uh... No, no, you did, you did well. You done very well there, John. Um, I want to go over a few of the games from last weekend. Yeah. Uh, we've done United to death, you yes. could argue. Uh, I mean, the big one, obviously, Chelsea-Man City, uh, a game which I think most people... Most people had Man City to not lose this game. They thought they maybe a bit of a banana skin, but certainly I don't think most people saw a 2-0 victory for Chelsea in this one. No, it, it came as a surprise, uh, particularly considering how Chelsea's results had gone in recent weeks. Yeah. Um, and the naming of the team beforehand without a striker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, actually, after the game, that Eden Hazard said that he didn't really like playing in that formation and would prefer mm. to, you know... Giroud in there. Which shows you the power that Eden Hazard is able to wield at, at Chelsea. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose going to the game, uh, we're talking about the game... You, City actually, they did play play without a striker. Yeah, and uh, they looked toothless, to be quite honest with you. 
Um, Aguero's injured. Gabriel Jesus is not fancied by Pep Guardiola, rightly so. Is he good? I can't work out if he's good or not. Well, he, he arrived, didn't he, two seasons ago in January? Uh, and he looked the real deal. And at yeah. that point, he was a player that fitted that uh, Pep Guardiola template, which is to um, press from the front and work across. You know, almost one of these players that cuts in from the side and, yeah. you know, is not just a centre-forward in the style of Aguero. Yeah. But I think in the last year or so, you've seen how vital Aguero continues to be. And also you've seen that when Aguero picks up injuries, they don't really have a replacement for him. And uh, Jesus was put on the was on the bench and came over the second half. Didn't really do very much. He'd been poor at Bournemouth, and that was City's problem. And he's a toothless. Also, they got an injury to David Silva, which you know possibly is a, that's a real boon to Liverpool in the title race. Uh, especially so so with no De Bruyne, De Bruyne uh, yeah, no De Bruyne and no Silva now for at least was it three or four weeks? They said David three Silva? weeks. They said, and if you use the City medical calculator, that's probably two <laughs> weeks. Yeah, so yeah, you've got this. Um, so this is, uh, there'd been this thing about City this season, which is, oh, they will breeze to the title. Mm. Oh, who okay. And it was almost written, you know, that, that part of the season, that's boxed off, that we know that Manchester City are going to win the title. But Chelsea showed, uh, and interesting, the reason they, the way they showed it was, they were sat deep, uh, they couldn't get the ball out, long ball from David Luiz, go down the other end, score, mm. uh, and then score from a header. Um, and... You know, which Louise scored. What you've got is that uh, City's defence concedes very few goals, but actually, when you place it against those great defences of the past, you would say the Manchester United one with Ferdinand and Vidic, Tony Adams and Steve Bowles. It's not in the same league. Not in the same in terms league. Of defense, it's not in the same league as Liverpool's centre backs. Not over 10 years ago, say, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, and indeed, if, yes, if, indeed, if, you know, Virgil van Dijk. I mean, currently, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, having said that, they've spent an awful lot of money to to reach that. They have, but they're Man City, and, and I feel like if you are a Man City, you have to pay extra because everyone knows the money you've got. They know you've got yeah. deep pockets. I think the the thing that might undo City, I still think they'll win the league, but the thing that might undo them is that we don't know if this is a team that can handle being under pressure yet. No. Because it's all well and good. I mean, last season they scored some crucial last-minute goals. It was always Sterling, I remember. Always just scored crucial yes, last-minute yes, goals. Right, yeah. But it was always over Christmas. It was never in the final stretch of a season. We don't know how much bottle they've really got. And maybe we'll find out this season if they are, you know, true champions who can come through adversity or if they're just better off when they're 13 points clear with no one really breathing down their necks. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think you've, you've, the flip side of that is... We haven't seen this Liverpool team in that situation. Jurgen Klopp's not really been in a title race probably for five years or so yeah. since um, you know his uh, since Dortmund since Dortmund you know started to go a bit over the over the hill a little bit. Um, so that's the interesting thing. I think one thing you would say is that Liverpool they've amended the style of football this season, and there seems to be a bit of energy preservation involved in that. They don't press as hard as they did. No. And, and that also means that they're less exciting to watch. Yeah. But they're far more effective they're over more a long efficient. season. Yeah. yeah. Because the Liverpool were uh, away at Bournemouth um, on Saturday. Again, on paper, very tricky game. Bournemouth were a, a very exciting side. Yes, yeah. They're turning that stadium into a real cauldron now. It's, it's a hard place to go and play your football. And they've just brushed them aside like it's a, a League One team in the FA Cup, haven't they? Yeah, that was very easy for them. Um, and you've got players coming into... I mean, you know, Salah... 
mm. a play written off by our friend Miguel Delaney. Yeah. Jokingly, he says, what, yeah, he says what he says. He says jokingly, jokingly but I, you know, that was in a follow-up tweet like ten minutes later. Yeah, he panics a bit, though, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, you know, Salah's. I mean, I, I think okay with Salah. I don't think we ever thought that he could ever have a season as good as last season. I mean, very few players ever have until you get to the sort of very messy Ronaldo bracket. Um, But he's still a danger and he's on it. And then Firmino coming back into form, Mane. And they've got Shaqiri who who isn't in that bracket, but is someone that is a a really crucial foil to to letting them rotate and letting them have a week off or three days off over Christmas. Yeah, and I think think the issue you've got though with, with Liverpool... Is that midfield? Uh, I was chatting to somebody last week, talking about their summer purchases. They spent a lot on Cater. They waited a year to get him. It's not quite worked out with injuries. Fabinho, well, the word is that he's probably a little bit slow at the moment. Yeah. Um, and the concern is that does he have the physical capability to pick up that speed yeah. to play at the Premier League level? Um, that would be the concern. It was almost. It's almost like if you grafted. Um, City's midfield into Liverpool's, then you would have, you know, it's mm. almost unbeatable team. Yeah. There isn't actually that much between them in terms of forward line yeah. and defence, is there? Or goalkeepers actually very similar. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. And so. De- depth of squad is, is what I'd probably say still. Yeah, absolutely. But sit, the depth of City squad's being tested at the moment because they've yeah. got so many injuries. The best two players are injured. The best two players are injured. Um, best three players, Mendy as well. That's four, isn't it? Not have we not Aguero? How long is Aguero long term? A couple of weeks. Yeah, but Aguero still it's not over Christmas. That's a lot. Yeah, of but the, at this time yeah. of year, you've got four great so Aguero, players: Aguero, De Bruyne, David Silva, Mendy. And there's no team in the world that wouldn't miss those four players. Yeah, and the, the, the one that you you would uh, worry about is if something happens to Fernandinho, and mm. in that game against Chelsea, seems to get a bit of a knock, slowed down a bit. If you lose him, yeah. And you've got problems for Manchester City. So they have a depth of squad. You know, Bernardo Silva, there's going to be a lot asked of him in the next couple of weeks. And he's an excellent player. But he's diminutive and it's a physical league. And, you know, can he do it yeah. three times a week as you get over Christmas? But really, all they've got to get to is January the 1st. Then they can just open the checkbook again, can't they? Get someone uh, in for a for filler for six months. Well, let's see what football leagues say about that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they'll say nothing. <laughs> they'll say nothing. They'll be, they'll be fine with it all. Uh, but Liverpool, I think they. You touched on Cater. Then he was there. He was there. Marquee signing for the summer. You're right. They waited a year to get him from Leipzig. We were told he was the best thing in the world. We had this YouTube compilation oh, of yeah. highlights. He looked unbelievable. And I've seen him in a few games. He looked fantastic. Absolutely. I think the positive for Liverpool is that, with the exception of the Bournemouth game they were in touch with Man City and, and hadn't really played that well yet. Well, they turned it on against Bournemouth. They looked great against Bournemouth. And now they've got Cater, who's starting. He started against Bournemouth. Looked very good. Yeah. So if those two things come together where they can start to be a bit... If they feel like they can be a bit more expansive, and if Cater can get playing, that is like a brand new signing, they're, they're ahead of Man City with these things to come. So there's yeah. every chance that, that, that something serious happens for them this year. The one thing for me would be if they went out of the Champions League, they're playing, uh, is it tomorrow night? They're playing? No? They're playing now. Playing right, is, right, right now, as, as, as we talk. As we speak. Yeah. They, uh, if they go out of that and go into Europa, um, you'd feel like they might have a bit more of a struggle. Well, the, the only thing with that is that you can pretty much say, okay, we're going to play the kids, and then you've got a selection of. That, that's an option. You know, yeah. Daniel Sturridge will play a lot more football, for example. Yeah, Shakiri. Shakiri, yeah. But then again, you know, you're actually using up players that could be vital for a title challenge. Yeah. I think the thing about that energy preservation that I mentioned before, you do wonder if Klopp has decided we will 
you know, preserve that energy now, then ratchet it up towards the end of the season on that title running. Yeah, yeah. And then play the sort of clock ball game that we know and have loved for so many yeah. years. And there's no World Cup coming up or Euros, so players are more likely to push themselves under the season. Yes. I mean, you know, we talked about last season with Manchester United. I do think, actually, you probably look at those last few weeks of the season, there wasn't much happening around, no. No, there's definitely hadn't they had an eye on it. And why wouldn't yeah. you? If you're a football professional, it might be your only ever chance at a World Cup. You never know, so... You just yeah, it's 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 like you're going to Edinburgh or something like that, right? Or... I'm not giving you my best stuff in the week before Edinburgh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got any good stuff. Um, I mean, Liverpool pretty metronomic. Another team that look you know look like that are Spurs away at Leicester. Difficult place to go. Just turn them over pretty easily, especially coming off the back of that loss yeah. to Arsenal. Harry Kane off the bench as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think they look like a solid lock for, for top four. Absolutely. Towards the bottom of the table, uh, I want to touch on Cardiff because, I mean, any Cardiff fans listen, you'll know that I pretty much every week write you off and say you're going to go down. Well, actually, I might have changed my mind this weekend. I know it's only Southampton, but it's Southampton with a new manager and a, a squad of players looking to impress. Ralph Hasenhutl. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Rab- uh, rabbit hutch, doesn't that mean? Is, is that right? I think so. Oh, well, congratulations to all of us. Uh, <laughs> but Cardiff... Um, Making making it tough at their place. Three wins out of four, I think it is, at home. Yeah. Looking really, really good, and I think maybe I was wrong about them. Who, who do you see as going down this season, John? We've not talked about this yet, have we? No. Um, it's actually... Which three teams are worse than Cardiff? Well, Fulham. Yeah. Yeah, I was chatting to a Fulham supporting friend of mine, and he, he said to me, you know, you look at it and you think, are oh, the three t- worst teams than us? And he said, no, there aren't. So, uh, so Fulham... Uh, oddly, uh, um, Huddersfield were one that everyone said, "Okay, they're in big problem. They've got big problems." But actually, you've seen them a couple of times recently, and they've got a good manager. They they've got a good system. I think they might be able to get out of it, but they they will be probably down there. It's going to be a last couple of games job, I think. If if they, yes, if they yeah. stay safe, um, Cardiff were obviously another team that I had down there, and Burnley actually won. I mean, they won last weekend, mm. but I'm concerned about that. The intensity's gone from them. Uh, though I do think, you know, Sean Dyche is an excellent manager. But with Cardiff, uh, this is Neil Warnock's... I think this is his best chance to actually pull off. He, every time he's been up to the top division, going back to Notts County back in 91, 92, yeah. he's been relegated. And, uh, is that right? Yes. Or relegated or sacked, I should say. OK. Uh, so, the, <laughs> so, you know, he, he's not someone... You know, you, when you think of Neil Warnock, you think of the Football League, don't you? You think of Friday night yeah, on Sky. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. no That's a super, he's had a superb career. He's, a, he's a really good manager, yeah. Yeah. But the, the when it gets to the Premier League, he isn't a tactical manager. You know, you, you would actually compare him to someone like Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis. He's a blood and thunder guy. But they're actually a bit more tactically astute. They have more systems. They probably... He's, he's blood and thunder. It's motivational. It's... You know, I advise anyone on YouTube to watch the Neil Warnock documentary of Sheffield United. It's yes, brilliant. It's brilliant. It's not the best made documentary, but Neil Warnock is absolutely brilliant in it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'd actually like Cardiff to stay up just because I think it would yeah, be good. I th- I think that would I be would. the crowning achievement of his career, probably. You know, yeah, a nice way a to bit. yeah, a nice way to maybe not sign off, but certainly a nice. Uh, yes. In the autumn years of his managerial Absolutely. career, it'd be a nice thing for him. Uh, looking forward to this weekend. Obviously, the big one is Monday night derby against Forest, uh, which I already feel sick about. Yes, um, but in the Premier League, uh, City at home to Everton. I mean, well, Everton I, look pretty good, but I, I can't see anything other than City. Ev- Everton there. have caused problems for City, but it's normally been at Goodison over the years. So yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't travel well to Man City. I don't. No, think. you don't. No. Uh, Palace, Leicester. 
Well, actually, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do predictions. We don't. No, we never do this. Let's do predictions. Uh, well, actually, I, I forgot to mention how bad I think Palace are. I think Palace could be in trouble this I think season. They could be, yeah, they could be down there. Too reliant on Zaha. I think Roy Hodgson did a good job stabilising last season. Did an excellent job, in fact. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Minimal investment there. He's not really had a chance, has he? What, no. what do you want him to do? I mean, even Zaha, they're relying on him, but he's not. It's not like he's a goal scorer. No, asking him to be a goal scorer when yeah, he isn't is yeah. It's, it's mad. And they, what they got up front? Sawlath and Benteke. I mean, what so, do you so, want from him? Sawlath sounds like a sort of off- sounds like an illness. Well, no, I was thinking more like a sort of Game of Thrones or <laughs> yeah, a warrior, <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah. a pit fighter. Uh, uh, prediction though, Palace Leicester. Uh, it's going to be something like one nil Leicester. That yeah, yeah. Palace don't score goals. And if Maguire comes back for Leicester, which it looks like he might do. That's good news, yeah. 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 Uh, Huddersfield, Newcastle. Newcastle could be in trouble. Yeah, I saw. I watched them at the weekend, actually. Um, they'd lost that game, uh, essentially because Kennedy fell asleep and didn't <laughs> cover Matt Doherty's score on the back post. Yeah, yeah. They were sickened by that. Uh, probably cheated a bit by the referee. Newcastle, I mean, actually, this is actually a six-pointer, isn't it? Yeah, um, definitely. Can see Huddersfield winning this, you know. Big shout out to uh, Jota as well, by the way, for the uh, the assist and the goal for Wolves against Newcastle at the weekend. Had him in my fantasy football team, didn't do anything, no goals, no assists. I drop him the first week. I drop him. He scores. He was actually very good in that two game, goals. Yeah. He gets an assist. Yeah, he's yeah. a good player. Yeah. Um, Spurs at home to Burnley. I mean, that's, Burnley travelling badly, playing badly. Spurs looking solid. I can't see past the Spurs. It's nil, home nil, win. isn't it? I think this get this get this game was one all last season. It was one all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think I can't see that this time around. I think it was a Chris Wood equaliser, wasn't it? Last the, minute, yes, last I was minute. there, yeah. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Watford, Cardiff. I mean, Watford are a strange one. I mean, well, Watford. They were the same season as last season, Watford, but with a different manager, where they started really well, played this really expansive football with really good individuals. Yeah. And then they sort of fell apart before Christmas and it never really recovered. Is that happening again this year? Well, I think that's what Watford do every season. Is it? And then, you know, old Javi Grassi's got a three-year contract. now. No, f- foot off the pedal. Absolutely. <laughs> Just relax. Yeah. He'll have at least 18 months of that guaranteed. They were maybe a little bit unlucky against Everton on Monday, last-minute goal. Um, but I think that's their problem, actually, Watford. They do tend to concede late, uh, you know... Maybe yeah. they lack a bit of fitness or something like that. Do you think it is in its concentration or fitness or what? Yeah, what is that? What is that? Well, I, th- I think I think that the team is very well organised, but maybe when a bit of fatigue sets in, that's when problems start. Yeah, but do you think that's? Do you think part of it is mental that once you concede a couple of goals in, in consecutive games, let's say in the last five ten minutes, then you then sort of your shoulders tighten up in the last ten minutes and you start worrying about. Yeah, it. yeah, and, and you know that would be a worry about Newcastle, wouldn't we? After what happened last weekend? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, Wolves, I mean, home to Bournemouth, Jago Jota with a hat-trick, surely. Just to really wind me up. Well, Bournemouth are a funny team because, didn't they lose that, they lost 4-0 at Burnley, didn't they? And yeah. You, yeah, and you, which is the oddest result of the season, I think that is. Yeah, that must be. Um, I could see Wolves doing this. Wolves, I mean, they beat Chelsea, they beat Newcastle on a bit of a roll. They're not exactly, I mean, the thing is, Nuno Espirito Santo, the coach, it's not the most exciting football, you know. No. I mean, they came up with a lot of people saying, oh, they're going to be the most exciting. I thought they'd finish top eight, I thought they'd finish. I think they'll finish 10th, but yeah. or 11th, but um, I'd back Wolves to win this, yeah. Yeah. Um, Fulham at home to West Ham. Well, I should be at this game, uh, oh. so I'm looking forward to it, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for West Ham 3-1. Nice. And then on the Sunday, Brighton at home to Chelsea. I would say here a... a 
A one-all draw, I'm going with here. I think I'm, I'll go that way. Yeah. Uh, Southampton at home to Arsenal. Southampton, struggling. Struggling. Arsenal looking very exciting. Nil-nil. You'd say... Well, yeah, I'd say that the... Uh, that the dogs of Arsenal will run wild in that rabbit hutch. <laughs> Lovely. Yep. Uh, and we'll finish off with, uh, undoubtedly, apart from Derby Forest, the biggest game of the weekend. That is, of course, Liverpool at home well, to United, I where know. I imagine they're going to park the bus. And I hate using that phrase, because people now use it when they're talking about just a good defensive display. Yeah. But actually, this could be a bus parker, couldn't it? Well, I think we know what result Jose Mourinho wants before we've even... Yeah. yeah. So, will he get his heart's desire? Nil-nil. I, th- I think Liverpool to score early and it to be a good game. United to come on to them and, and I think United will lose that game but I think it'll be a decent game. So, I'm saying 2-1 or 3-2 even. I'll go for 2-1. Yeah, 2-1 yeah, okay. Liverpool. All right, lovely. Well, it's been a pleasure, John. Thanks very much for joining us. I've enjoyed it very much. Uh, good. And it's, it's been nice to have a, someone in the studio and not just a slacker on the phone like Martin d- Gritton. D- down the end of a phone, Absolutely yeah. unacceptable. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at Football Podcast. Uh, this has been The Whistleblowers. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.